talking with someone earlier before the service who had on Georgia colors. <laughs> Laurie. And uh, we, we said, sort of said it's the, it's the next best kind of patriotism to patriotism <laughs> for our country. But it falls to third place with our country second and God first. Amen? Amen. We, get, we want to keep things in order. The scripture that was read this morning from the 13th chapter of Romans uh, might seem a little bit strange to us in some ways of considering that in the mid-first century how the Roman rulers persecuted the Christians. And here's Paul who later would be beheaded by that same government. He is lifting them up and saying they have... A, God has a role for them to play to keep uh, those who do wrong punished and to reward those who are right. Paul also writes to Timothy and he says to give prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving for everyone, all kings and all those in authority that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all goodness and holiness. He is saying that if you're a Christian, and the government does its job, you have nothing to fear from the government. So live faithfully, live a good life, a holy life, and you will not have to fear the authorities. He's speaking of the uh, sovereignty of God. He's saying uh, God is large and in charge, and we need to bow down and worship him faithfully. God says to Abraham, I will make you into a generation of a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And we praise God for that promise. I want to keep in mind this as we deal with the issue about whether or not <clears throat> we are in peril of losing our freedom of religion in the United States. The psalmist writes in Psalm 33, The Lord foils the plains of the nation. He thwarts the purposes of the people. But the plains of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is that nation whom God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. We can go back uh, retracing uh, the role God played in the life of our country. Uh, this will be a rehearsal of things that you already know, but I'm, I'm building a foundation to where we deal with the question of our liberties of our uh, Christian religion uh, even now. You remember when the pilgrims came at the Mayflower Compact in 1620, uh, the bad weather caused them to land much further north than they wanted to, ended up in New England instead of Virginia, which was their original uh, target. And before they got off the ship, <clears throat> they said, let's make a covenant together. And they, they said, having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country. Notice here the emphasis on the Christian faith. Many people try to write that out of our history, saying we're not a Christian nation, uh, but this very clearly was their intent for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith to honor our king and country, a voyage to plant 
the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, which they missed, in the presence of God and one another, covenant and combine ourselves together in a civil body politic. And then they list those uh, elements of that commitment that they were making uh, together. Fast forward to the Declaration of Independence, which we served, uh, observed just two days ago. It says, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws and the nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinion of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. And then they proceed to list the offenses that they were receiving from uh, the British king. It later says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unenable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of those governed. And then it mentions uh, later on that we rely upon the protection of divine providence as we make this pledge to each other and our fortunes and our honor. I'm trying to establish the base that we, were, the founders of our country, were very conscious that they were doing, moving forward under the guidance of God. Uh, there were six, uh, 56 signers of the Declaration, and 52 of those 56 were, uh, without doubt, Orthodox Christians. And there's been some question about uh, Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson, and the debate goes on. And you, if you want to have some fun, research that on Google and uh, put in uh, the correct words and get this uh, that went on. Uh, Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson were considered to be deists, this to those who feel that God is an absentee God. He created us, yes, but then he went off somewhere to do something else, and he doesn't uh, intervene into the, in the lives of men. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was accused of being one and acknowledged some tendencies in that direction. But I want to read to you the statements he made. Uh, this is uh, some 11 years after the Declaration of, of Independence when they are trying to establish a, a, a constitution. They're having a constitutional convention, and they reach a stalemate. They've got to a place where they're having trouble moving forward any farther. And then uh, Benjamin Franklin is quoted as saying, And have we forgotten that powerful friend, with a capital F meaning God, or do we imagine that we no longer need his assistance? I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see in this truth that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. I firmly believe this. And I also believe that without his concurrence, 
concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. We shall be divided by our little partial local interests. Our projects will be confounded, and we ourselves shall become a reproach and a byword down through future ages. Notice his emphasis on the role of God that he believed was playing in them. Then he called for a, a time of a prayer, of fasting and worship, and they took three days off to do that, and once they finished that and came back together, everything began to fall into place. Doesn't sound like a man who is an, a deist uh, to me. Uh, did Thomas Jefferson believe in God? On his memorial in Washington, D.C., we find these words. God who gave us life gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. Who, who, who gave us these words? Give me liberty or give me death. Patrick Henry, you all get an A on today's lesson. But we need to remember the entire quote from which this particular line is lifted. He said, actually, an appeal to arms and to God of hosts is all that is left. But we shall not fight our battle alone. There is a just God that presides over the destinies of nations. The battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. Is life so dear and peace so sweet to be purchased at the price of change and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. So I hope that we have remembered the foundation on which our country has been blessed. Uh, some would say, no, we are not a Christian nation, even though the vast majority of Americans would tell you that they are Christians. Uh, there are those who would say we, we never were a, a Christian nation, but to say so is to misread history. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that this country was founded as a nation based upon the Judeo-Christian worldview. But have things changed since those early days? Uh, unfortunately, yes. Let's cover the last 50 or 60 years or so is what has changed. Many look back to the 50s as a heyday of Protestant Christianity. We even use the term of Christendom, meaning that there was a great melding of, of, of civil and public life with uh, Christianity. We, some of us who grow up, we, we hardly ever knew anybody who wasn't a Christian. We assumed somebody knew in the neighborhood uh, that they belonged to a, a church, and so on it went. Um, but in the 1960s, things began to change. The free speech movement on the left coast, I mean the west coast, uh, uh, especially... Uh, Berkeley uh, University of uh, California. There was the new sexual revolution, which looked a lot like the old immorality. Activity 
that theretofore uh, had been acceptable now was unacceptable, now became commonplace. It was permissive and swinging in the 60s. There was a time of revolution ferment which ushered in much of needed social change, but there also was uh, other things that led to the uh, breakdown of marriage, the welfare state dependency, drug and youth crimes, gangs, etc. This came to be, came to reject the Judeo-Christian faith and morals. There came the time in our lifetime where there was an attempt to redefine marriage. If I were to ask you a question like this, if you called a dog's tail a leg, how many legs would that dog have? He would still have four. <laughs> Calling a tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. <laughs> and so it applies to God's plan for a marriage to be a, with a man and a woman. We have seen in this past half decade a rise in anti-Christian bias, particularly in the world of uh, media and entertainment. There's an effort to pass laws of uh, regard to hate speech. It's defined by the, its uh, followers as speech that offends, threatens, or insults groups based upon race, color, religion, national origin, sexual orientation, etc., etc., etc. There is even those who feel that, that there will become an increasing pressure uh, to do away with the freedom of the pulpit that uh, preaching the Bible with regard to uh, portions of it which lists sins uh, no longer can be used without someone becoming offended. We have experienced war on Christmas every Christmas season. Well, we find ourselves in just the past few days of critical and important rulings of the Supreme Court. It's interesting that last Sunday I preached this sermon in a little different form uh, and mentioned the fact that one of the uh, issues of today is uh, whether or not Hobby Lobby would be required to pay for insurance for uh, pills that produce an abortion uh, in a woman's body. And then within 24 hours, the verdict came down and ruled in favor of Hobby Lobby in that court. Still is to be settled some things with the um, Roman Catholic Church in this same regard. A moral crisis is in our land in these days with the rise of uh, crime, abortions, divorce, white-collar crimes, racism, children killing children in school, AIDS, HIV, SCDs, wasteful government spending resulting in higher taxes that put a strain on the average family, and so on it goes. And there are some who are not just indifferent to the church and what the church teaches, but is uh, actually antagonistic. In 1976, Anne Nicole Saylor uh, formed the Freedom From Religion Foundation. It has some 16,000 members. 
Its purpose is to promote separation of church and state and to educate the public on matters relating to atheism, agnosticism, and non-theism. This group is very aggressive in some areas of the country at Christmas time. They place uh, billboards in the community. They buy ads on the, on the sides of the public transportation buses, uh, etc. Such signs which say, imagine no religion. Beware of dogma. Praise Darwin. Evolve beyond belief. Don't believe in God? You're not alone. Sleep in on Sundays. And next to a Christian display in one community, uh, right next to that display were these words put up by the Freedom From Religion Foundation. At this season of winter solstice, May reason prevail. There are no gods, no devils, no angels, no heaven, no hell. There's only the natural world. Religion is but myth and superstition that hardens heart and enslaves minds. These are they who are aggressive in their uh, desire to rid our lives, our public lives of any religion uh, whatsoever. Uh, what can we do? Well, one thing we can not give into the uh, ostrich system uh, syndrome, which, as you know, is putting your head in the sand. We be, need to become knowledgeable on the issues. We need to stand firm in the spiritual warfare that is now raging. We need to exercise our right to vote, uh, regardless of our party or affiliation uh, politically. We have much for which to be thankful I received some weeks ago an uh, email from a friend of mine. So appropriate uh, at that time was our celebration of uh, uh, Normandy and uh, D-Day. And uh, he gives us several instances related to that. When uh, Dean Rusk was Secretary of State, uh, he was in France at a meeting in the early 60s, when de Gaulle decided to pull out of NATO. De Gaulle said he wanted all U.S. military out of France as soon as possible. Dean Rusk replied, does that include those who are buried here? Gaulle did not reply. You could have heard a pin drop. When in England at a large conference, Colin Powell was asked by the Archbishop of Canterbury, if, if, if your plans for Iraq were just an example of the empire building of George Bush. And this is how Colin Powell responded. Over the years, the United States has sent many of its fine men and women into great peril to fight for freedom beyond our borders. The only amount of land we ever ask in return is enough to bury them that did not return. You could have heard a pin drop. There was a conference in France where a number of international engineers were taking part, including French and American. During a break, one of the French engineers came back into the room saying, have you heard the latest dumb stunt Bush has done? 
he has sent an aircraft carrier to Indonesia to help with the tsunami victims. What's he going to do? Bomb them? A Boeing engineer stood up and repeated quietly, our carriers have three hospitals on board that can treat several hundred people. There's, they are nuclear powered and can supply emergency electric power to shore facilities. There are three cafeterias with a ca capacity to feed 3,000 people three meals a day. They can produce several thousand gallons of fresh water from seawater each day. They carry half a dozen helicopters for use in transporting victims and injured to the flight deck. They have, we have 11 such ships. How many does France have? You could have heard a pin drop. A United States admiral was attending a naval conference that included admirals from the United States, England, Canada, Australia, France, etc. At a cocktail reception, he found himself standing with a large group of officers that included personnel from most of those countries. Everyone was chatting away in English as they sipped their drinks, but a French admirable, admiral suddenly complained that whereas Europeans learn many languages, Americans only speak English. Then he asked, why is it that we should have to speak English in these conferences rather than speak French? Without hesitating, the American admirals replied, maybe it's because the Brits, Canadians, Aussies, and Americans arranged it so you wouldn't have to speak German. <laughs> you could have heard a pin drop. We have so much for which to be thankful. I cannot hear or sing the Star Spangled Banner without chill bumps running up and down my spine. I'm proud to be a Christian and I'm proud to be an American. And I call upon all of us in these days to pray fervently to live faithfully and to witness fruitfully. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.